Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this Thursday before Christmas edition of the Illuminated Word Podcast. And if you're listening to this before Christmas, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And if you're listening to it after Christmas, well, then I hope you had a Merry Christmas. Over the last few weeks on the Illuminated Word podcast, we have been going through the birth uh, stories, the birth accounts in the Gospels of Jesus. And in one of those, Matthew chapter 2, we t- we learn about the uh, wise men coming to find Jesus, to look for him. And in that section, it quotes an Old Testament passage, which is our reading for today. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. It reads, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. And when the Assyrians invade our land and break through our defenses, we will appoint seven rulers to watch over us, eight princes to lead us. And so in Micah, these few verses talk about the ruler of Israel will come from Bethlehem. And after the wise man, wise men, if you go to Matthew chapter 2, after the wise men arrive in search of the newborn king of the Jews, King Herod asks his leading priests and teachers of the law where the Messiah is supposed to be born. And they respond with, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And so... That is why we are reading Micah 5 today, because this is a messianic prophecy. Especially that last verse, he will be the source of peace. There's a Christmas movie that always gets plenty of airtime every year around this time. Uh, I've actually not watched it all the way through until last year, so I was 37 before I watched the entire movie all the way through, but it became a, a cult classic among many people. It's called A Christmas Story. And now if you've seen it, you know it's about a kid who all he wants for Christmas is a Red Ryder BB gun. His name is Ralphie. And I think a lot of us can totally relate to Ralphie because he does everything he can to get his parents to get that BB gun. That one gift that he wants more than anything in this world. That one gift that he knows would fulfill all his dreams and make him happy. And of course his parents tell him, you'll shoot your eye out. So Ralphie drops hints at every turn and prepares for this BB gun, and when Christmas morning comes, he goes and rips all of his presents open, and he has some pretty embarrassing ones, but by the time he gets through all of them, there is no BB gun. I think you probably know the feeling of Ralphie on Christmas morning, that excitement of just the one thing you want, the anticipation of getting it. Maybe it was an easy-bake oven, or maybe it was a train, or One year for me, it was a six-speed bicycle. That's all I wanted, that cool-looking bike with the gear changers on top. So we got it that morning, expected to see it in front of that tree, and nothing. Every box I got, I knew it wasn't a bike. Then the last box that my brother and I got was a tiny little box, and inside that box was a note that set us out on a hunt. And in each location, we find another note leading us to the next spot, only to make it all the way to my parents' bedroom to see two new bikes. It was great. And as a parent, I know the feeling of giving your children that one thing they want because for a moment, they're happy, they're ecstatic. But that's the problem. It's only for a moment. 
see, spoiler alert, Ralphie ends up with the BB gun, and then he almost shoots his eye out. But there's a Christmas lie, and it's right in the middle of that movie, and it's the lie that was right in the middle of my six-speed bike for Christmas, or your easy-bake oven Christmas, or your, I don't know, remote-control car Christmas. And it revolves around the idea that if I can just get blank, then I will be happy. But then I want more. See, the lie is that we can fill the hole in our hearts with more stuff. If I just get the the next iPhone, the next Xbox, the next uh, big TV, and the list goes on and on. And I wonder how many Ralphies it will take for me to realize that I can't fill that hole in my heart. As we get older, the things just get different. You know, remember that feeling if I can just get this job and then you get it and you're so excited and then you get that first check and you're like, this is awesome. And then as time goes on, you get your check and you start saying, man, if I could just make a little more or how about that new car you bought? You know, if you're anything like us, you may have been saying things like, we're not eating anything in this car. You'll wash your hands, your feet, take a bath before you get in this car. And then next thing you know, it's uh, uh, all kinds of wrappers inside. It's all over the floor and crayon markers on the walls. Or maybe you think if I can only get something bigger. Same thing with that new house, that apartment. You start an apartment, but then you got to go to a bigger house and then an even bigger house. That's because we all want more, more, more. And yet, as you go through the birth of Jesus, that is the lie, that is a lie that can fill, uh, that we can fill that hole with things that will ultimately leave us looking for more. Proverbs 30, verses 15 and 16 says, The leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. There are three things there that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, land, and which is never satisfied with water, and fire, which never says enough. Solomon tries to simply point out the fact that humans are always asking for more. Can I have a little more? If I could just have a little more time, a little more money, then I'd be happy. And the Christmas lie is we can fill the hole in our hearts with more stuff. But the Christmas truth is that God has given us more than we need if we'll accept it, and he gave it to us in Jesus Christ. You and I already have more. Jesus' coming was more than just a birth. His coming was the greatest more ever because him coming took us beyond that which we could imagine. And through Jesus, God said, I've got more for you. I love John's account of Jesus' coming. It's drastically different than Matthew's and Luke's. You know, in John 1, verses 1 and through 3, you know, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word made his uh, made, came to earth and made his dwelling. The flesh, you know, he came in flesh to dwell among his people. And you get through this verse, you're like, well, I'm already confused. Uh, like, what, what do you mean Jesus was with God and God was with Jesus and Jesus plus God equals one? I don't, math doesn't work out. But what John is telling us in those first few verses is that God's plan from the beginning was to give us more. And it culminated after 400 years of silence from the prophets. When Israel was crying out saying, Lord, where are you? And God says, shh, just, just, just listen. And it wasn't in the sound of a prophet's trumpet. It wasn't a giant bell ringing. It was the cry of a baby in the manger. And the world said, what? How's a baby in a manger more? That's less. I mean, when you read Matthew and Luke's account of what has become known as the Christmas story, you see that there is this young unmarried girl chosen to have this child. Her and her soon-to-be husband, not even married yet, have to go back to Joseph's hometown because Caesar issued a decree for a census. So they go to Bethlehem and... While they're there, Mary goes into labor and ends up giving birth to a son. 
where there was no room for them. And so they were among the animals, and Mary had to lay her son in a feeding trough. We like to call it a manger, though. It sounds cleaner. Now there's this debate over whether or not they were in a barn, uh, as history puts it, and all the pictures depict it. Early church history actually taught that it was a cave carved into the side of a mountain. Other believes it was the basement of a house where animals were kept for extra body heat. But that doesn't matter. Because either way, it's not how the king of kings should have come into this world sleeping in a feeding trough. When you read that story, you should think, no way, that's not more. But it was here that the Savior was born. Now, I wouldn't have planned that that event that way. Because it's so much less than what it should have been. He was born in a manger, but he should have been born in a beautiful palace. He was wrapped in cloth. He should have been wrapped in satin. I don't know, whatever fancy uh, fabric may be. You know, there's we see things on our TV like uh, like the royal weddings, and man, that's like a huge ordeal, right? Or when the when the royal couple's babies are born, and it's this huge fanfare, this massive audience, and everybody's watching worldwide. And of course, we know that that in the royal family, those kids will be waited on hand and foot for all of their lives. They'll never touch the sheets that I sleep in, or wear the shirts I wear, or be forced to wear the same shoes I wear. Because everything for the royal children is going to be the best top-notch. And you think, shouldn't that have been the way that Jesus came? But it was so much less. Wrapped in cloth, nowhere near royalty, and laying in a feeding trough. Now imagine if this Sunday at Christmas lunch, your mom picks up the dog bowl, sets it in front of you, and starts piling the delicious food into that bowl. That's ridiculous, right? At least I'm thinking about our dog's bowl, and I'd be pretty grossed out if my lunch was served to me in the dog bowl. And yet, here is Jesus born, so much more or less than he should have been. He's born in a tiny village. I mean, shouldn't he have been born in Rome, or at least Jerusalem? And he was even born to a lesser family, his young, unmarried mother. Dad was a carpenter, not even a rabbi. Jesus is less in every sense of the word. His backroom birth wasn't even something the world would have noticed. And I say, God, why wouldn't you give him the the palace, the trumpets, the beautiful satin sheets? And God says, because you'd put your eye out with that thing. No, I'm just kidding. He says, because I want the world to know that for every person who's ever been told they were less than what they should be, I want them to know I can make them more than they could ever dream of. I don't know if you ever struggled with that. I don't know if you ever maybe looked at the baby in that trough and thought, wow, this kid is defying the king right now. (laughs) He's changing the world as we speak. You think people thought that when they were looking at that? Looking at Jesus being born. Oh, he's changing the world. How many of them would have looked in the face of that baby and saw a man hanging on a cross so that they could spend eternity with God? Probably not many, if any. I don't know if any of you can identify with being made to feel less than, but I know I can. I don't know what it was for you. Maybe it was a parent who held back that pat on the back and never said, I believe in you, but instead always told you how you could have made better grades, tried harder, run faster, played harder. Maybe it was a coach or a teacher or a boss who didn't recognize all that you do. Maybe it's a spouse who's always nagging you about what you do wrong, that you're not meeting their expectations, that you're less than. I don't know if or who you get compared to and told you are less, but But God says, don't you dare believe it, because through Jesus, I have made you more than a conqueror. You are all you need to be in him. Because when you see the baby in the manger, when you see a picture depicting the least of these, and yet it's Jesus who's the greatest of these, it's God putting his hand on the shoulder of every person who was treated like they were less, told they were not good enough, made to feel like a failure. And he says, I've made you more. 
Now, I've had to learn this lesson the hard way. I've spent most of my life comparing myself to others. If only I looked like him. If only I was as smart as them. If only I could preach like that guy. It was the day that someone said to me, I wish I was as godly as you. I mean, good thing I wasn't eating because I would have choked to death. But when they said that, I thought, who am I? You don't want to be like me. You want to be like that guy because that's who I wish I was like. And it was that day that I realized we all look for more. For anyone who's ever felt like that or feels like that now, Jesus came less than anyone could imagine, the lowest of lows, so that he could reach out to you and say, how would you like to be more? How about more joy? How about more abundant life? How about more peace? We need to have more than Christmas. And it begins by realizing that Jesus' coming was more than just a birth. When I when I look at that baby, I shouldn't think of just, oh, a great story, but instead that was not just another day. It was the hinge of history. It wasn't just a day on the calendar. It was the beginning of time for us. There were 300 prophecies made about Jesus hundreds of years before the child was born. It's been said that the chances of just eight of those prophecies being fulfilled, just eight being fulfilled by one person is is one over 10 to the 17th power. That's one in one with 17 zeros behind it. That's just eight It was no accident. He turned the page of time. Jesus' coming was more than just another life. I mean, everyone loves a newborn baby, right? His arrival was God's answer to man's greatest question. What is life? What is truth? What is light? Where is it found? In the stars? In our own beings? Jesus says, here I am. I am the more you've been searching for. And so Jesus' coming was not just another child on the earth. It was the greatest love letter ever written. There's one thing that money can't buy, and even the Beatles knew that. Money can't buy love. Oh, you can try, but love must be given. That's what makes it love. So many of us are worried about buying that special someone, their perfect gift. And Jesus says, just love them. Love them faithfully. Love them honestly. I mean, what about this? What if no one needed to give a Christmas gift until we all receive the gift that is promised in John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loves us more than anything. God loves me more than my mom or my dad, more than my spouse, more than my children. Jesus' birth was more than another start. It was the world's best hope. There are times we don't know where to turn to for hope. There is a a world that is lost and dying because they can't find hope. Just turn on the news and watch it for five minutes and you'll see that. This is more than just Christmas. It's more than just gifts and eating and traveling and the other junk that ends up crowding Jesus out altogether. It's interesting that 2,000 years later, and there's still no room for Jesus. It's only a Merry Christmas when you know he's more. And it's only fulfilled when we say, I will make him Lord. And one of those things that Jesus brings more of is peace. I don't know about you, but I need more peace in my life. I need to be at peace with situations and circumstances. I need to be at peace when things don't go my way. This week, I had to put my car in the shop. I won't tell you how much it costs to fix it, but needless to say, I haven't had much peace this week leading up to Christmas. But I need to realize that life is more than just dollar signs. Life is just more than than the things that happen on a daily basis. Jesus is the source of my hope. Jesus is the source of my joy. Jesus is the source of my peace. Thank you for listening, not just today, but each time you listen to the Illuminated Word. 
Our hope is that this podcast encourages you each time. Maybe you learned something new you didn't know before, but that it would encourage you to continue living your faith as you move uh, throughout your day. And of course, our prayer is also that you would see opportunities that God has opened for you each day to be a blessing to those around you in some form or fashion. And until next time you listen to the Illuminated Word, have a blessed day.